This is Laura Dierdo with the Becker's Dental Plus DSO podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Heidi Arndt, a dental industry executive and consultant who most recently served as CEO of Strive Dental Management in Texas. Heidi, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Well, I know we have a great discussion planned and talking about some of the big opportunities for small and mid-sized DSOs, as well as challenges for dental practices. But before we dive in, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, I would love to. I have been part of the DSO space for most of my career, about over 20 years. I hate to admit that, but it has been around 20 years. I actually started off my career as a clinical dental hygienist. I graduated from the University of Minnesota and I started my career working chairside, seeing patients. Um, I started off working at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and then moved to Minneapolis, where I started working for a dental group practice in Minneapolis that was um, managed by American Dental Partners. I quickly moved into a management role within American Dental Partners, serving as their national hygiene director. I did that for about eight years, and then I decided, you know what, I can do this on my own. I'm going to start a consulting company focused on working with dental groups and DSOs. And so we, uh, or I created Enhanced Hygiene, which was focused on developing and growing uh, dental hygienists and the dental hygiene business within dental groups. I also started a sister company called Enhanced Practices, where we focused on really more operational and strategic growth of DSOs and hosted an annual conference called Group Evolution. I was able to sell that business in 2019 and that's when I found myself working with Strive Dental Management in Austin, Texas. Um, We were a five location dental group with about 25 dentists. So we had bigger practices and running around, um, you know, right around that 20 million mark in revenue. Um, I came in as their VP of clinical operations, quickly moved into the COO role, and then um, also their CEO, and I was excited to be able to lead as their CEO through the last year and a half as we, you know, returned from the COVID shutdown and then, of course, recently uh, had a successful transaction. That's amazing. And just to really see how you're able to transition from the clinical role and and then um, into the more business side of things and really inspired to help grow the DSOs and practices that you worked with. I'm curious, um, based on your experience, you know, making that transition, what really drives you on the business side of things? What is different about doing that versus, you know, being a hygienist and really being part of the clinical team there? That is a great question. You know, the thing that I love about my experience is the fact that I have the clinical background. I really know um, the levers to look at and work with a team on to increase productivity, to increase our service mix within the dental groups. Um, I believe that every clinician should have a strong business mind as well. And maybe they're not a strong business mind. That may be too much, but have a good understanding of the business side of dentistry because they really go hand in hand. And I think it's important to meet clinical and business um, in these dental groups, actually in every dental office so that we can provide the best to our patients, but also have the best in financial outcomes as well. 
Got it. That's a really great point. Um, and, it, you know, along those lines, what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities for small and mid-sized DSOs today? Obviously, with growth and, and development, um, what's really on the forefront of, of those organizations that want to continue thriving, whether it's growing on their own end or potentially having a transaction in the future? You know, it is an exciting time in dentistry, and um, there is so much happening in dentistry right now. I think there's a lot of different ways at, at growing in um, your mid-sized or any, even an emerging dental group. There's a couple things that I see out there in the industry, and there's maybe two ways of thinking. Um, one is I see a lot of um, acquisitions still happening. And so a lot of the mid-sized DSOs are really, actually every DSO we can say, is really growing through acquisition. Um, sometimes I believe it's too much focus on acquisition, just buy an EBITDA along the way. And I have found that there's been a lot of groups out there that I have talked to that are more focused on just making acquisitions and not as focused on creating consistency among the practices on centralization or building a scalable infrastructure. Um, it's just a matter of adding practice after practice after practice, which, you know, some will say, well, that's, that's, you know, the direction that we have in our end game. But I have to tell you that I really believe that you have to create consistent operating systems, um, consistency from a clinical standpoint amongst all practices in order to scale properly. And so that leads me to my point where I believe the biggest opportunity is all through organic growth, or some may call it same store growth. You've probably noticed that there's a lot of groups out there that struggle with that same store growth, but there's so much opportunity that exists in those practices to improve with just simple systems, working with the clinicians to expand their service mix or improve their treatment plan acceptance. And that's where I believe having that strong clinical leadership team is so important to support, you know, these long-term initiatives um, that ultimately are going to grow um, your practices in an organic way. Um, in order to provide services and support to our clinicians, we have to have a way to develop them and grow them. And that is where you're going to get a lot of growth um, from a same store perspective. Got it, got it. And when you're thinking about growing the clinicians and the um, dentist practices and, and um, really having that type of energy and passion behind there, what are, are the best ways that exactly executives and administrators on that level can um, foster a culture of growth and really support the clinicians and the dentists as they're thinking about, you know, what's next for them? Yeah, you know, I think really having that partnership and every DSO should have a strong, you know, dentist supporting the clinical initiatives in the group and having that partnership and growth and looking at what are the opportunities that we do have, anything from, you know, introducing clear aligners and educating our dentists and our hygienists and our assistants on how to talk with patients about clear aligners or implants or from a hygiene perspective, improving periodontal services. Those are all things that really support revenue growth. It also improves patient care. But in order to make those initiatives fully integrated, you really need to have the support of a clinician that's leading the way, but also the operations team that can help with fully implementing and supporting with the front office um, and, you know, being able to present an accurate 
uh, treatment plan, et cetera. So it's really a full team focus. And again, I think a lot of people look at that as such a hard needle to move, but it can be really easy when you all come together and work to work on the same um, initiatives together. I'm a big initiatives person. So um, if you're going to do something in your organization, you have to have a planned out process to do it. Um, just don't throw something at your team and say, do this. Um, have a planned out process so you have education and support along the way to ensure that it's a successful um, initiative. That makes a ton of sense, Heidi. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, on the flip side of things, what do you see as some of the big challenges for dental practices and DSOs ahead? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think the biggest um, challenge we have today, which I think everybody will say, is it's staffing. Um, I would not have said that three years ago, but I believe that with the pandemic, every industry out there is dealing with staffing issues. I think we've seen it almost in every part of our life um, when we're consumers that the staffing is the challenges for restaurants, for hotels, you know, for whatever it is. Um, staffing is the name of the game right now. So that is a challenge in dentistry. And what I had found is our patient demand was extremely strong and continues to be strong, but we just didn't have the staff to keep up with it. Um, so it was so hard to see, you know, as an operator that we have patients that are trying to access our practice, but we don't have enough staff to take care of those patients. So in today's world, I think we all have to be flexible. Um, we need to understand our challenges and, and come together and try to decide what's the best way to offer uh, treatment to our patients. You know, some practices are having associates see hygiene patients. Um, some people have had to shift their model on how they're um, allowing patients to access a practice like a new patient. Um, those are all things that we have to look at. I mean, business today is not the business that you had three years ago. Um, so we all have to shift and flex. The other challenge that I see is is really the cost of the human capital increasing that really goes along with the staffing challenge. I'll give you an example. Here in Austin, before the pandemic hit and we had the COVID shutdown, hygienists in the area were asking for like $38 an hour. Over the last year and a half, that has increased by 30%. Hygienists are now asking for over $50 an hour. And there's some dental practices that just have to pay that and find themselves paying at a higher level just to have staff in place. And so, you know, it's a tough situation because I'm not sure that those wages are sustainable into the future, especially when, you know, the business is not getting any other um, increases in revenue. That's going to be a challenge into the future. And so I'm really interested to see how that pans out. But it also brings me to the other point is that you have to have additional perks and other ways to engage your team to retain them. Um, so if you have a great staff and you're not paying like the top wages in your area, retention has to be the key of the game. Um, human capital is, is our most important part of dentistry. You know, we are people caring for people. And so we have to, we know our people are important, but how do we keep them engaged um, for that long-term success? And I think that is the challenge that we're gonna be all dealing with here probably for the next year um, until, you know, this, this pandemic starts to slow down. And I know right now in Texas, it's, it's, you know, our COVID rates are up extremely high right now. 
Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I I know you mentioned um, is one of the things that has to happen um, to to keep the business running, but also keep staff in place was looking at um, some of the perks for retention and and engaging the team. Um, Have you seen any examples of um, those types of perks or engagement initiatives that have really worked out well and been successful? Yeah, you know, it's hard to right now because one of the things that our teams really responded well to were team building events. Um, (laughs) But also with COVID rates, you have to be careful of what you're doing, right, outside of the office. Um, So a couple of the things that I believe are, I think incentives are always great to engage your team, um, especially when the employees that are there are working so hard because oftentimes they're working the job of multiple people because they are understaffed. So recognizing them with some type of um, incentive, I think is really great. Also um, having some type of a team building event to really recognize them and just simple recognition things at work, I think are really great. As for the dentist, um, the associate dentist, the same goes for them. Um, having things that really encourage them to continue to be focused on um, quality patient care, but supporting their teams because they are the leaders in the practice and everybody's going to look at them. And then also clinical development. I think all of our dentists and and clinical team members are interested in continuing education. And after a year of really not having a lot of that, um, it's really important to start getting your team members engaged and bringing them together so that they can learn together and develop together. Got it. That's a really great point. Um, Thank you so much, Heidi. And before we wrap up our conversation, I had one more question. How do you see the dental industry evolving in the next five years or so? Yeah, I'm really excited about the future of dentistry. Uh, First and foremost, I think consolidation is not going to slow down. There is going to be a continue uh, rapid of um, this will be rapidly increasing over the next five years and more, I believe. Um, my prediction is that we're going to see more and more PE investing in dentistry. I do not see that closing or shutting off at any time. Um, but I also think we're going to see some dental groups run an IPO process within the next year, which will be also very interesting and exciting to see. So I think there's a lot on the forefront with that. I also think we're going to see some advances in artificial intelligence. I think this is a really, really hot area right now. Um, that will continue to rapidly grow um, and support efficiencies in the practice and clinical guidance. AI is really exciting to me, so I look forward to seeing what those advancements look like and and getting more implementation into the dental groups. And then finally, there's one that's really near and dear to my heart, and it's really the, the continual integration of medical dental model. I think you probably saw Pacific Dental Service just launched a new model uh, where they have medical and dental facility under the same roof um, to provide comprehensive and collaborative services to their patients. And it takes me back to thinking about my career at Mayo Clinic. And it was such an amazing experience because there was this power of collaborative healthcare. As a dental hygienist, I worked side by side with the physicians. We looked at the entire patient, not just the mouth or not just another part of the body, we work together, and I believe that that's the future of healthcare, that's the future of dentistry, is for us all to work together. So I'm excited to see where this medical dental model goes. I'm excited that Pacific Dental Services has taken a step in that direction, and I hope to see that more. It really needs to be our future. 
that patient first mentality, creating access and really looking at the entire body of the patient is really where the future is at. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time and expertise and what a great vision for the future. Um, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it.